So really looking forward to today's episode. I've got two guests with me, uh, one a little bit more exciting than the other. I've got joining me today, Will Pascal, second 11 club cricketer, an IT salesman and an ex-England cricketer once described by Duncan Fletcher as the best finger spinner in the world, uh, Monty Panazar. Hello, Monty. Hi, hi. Thank you. Thank you for having me on your show. Hello, Will. Thanks. Yeah, hi, mate. Thanks for the intro, mate. Very, very good. Thank you. I mean, what was it like growing up as a Sikh in Luton? Well, I think uh, for me, um, I, I, I remember going to school this year and everyone's got iPads, iPhones, and, and I think people generally, like children, are actually find it difficult to do outdoor activities. We was very, very natural for us to just go outdoors after school and then, and then just, uh, just uh, play cricket, you know. Um, but we just thought that was quite normal. But then when you go to schools now and you like think that, hang on a minute, there's actually, you know, parents generally need to go to academies or after school tuition or something to do outdoor activity. You know, I kind of feel you know, really lucky that um, I was able to, um, you know, get, get so much sort of cricket, football, all that kind of stuff, which doesn't, you know, now it's like, a, it's, it's like a real big deal for parents now to get any, you know, after school sort of activities. So do you think there's like less opportunity for kids nowadays than there was when you were growing up? I think there's more academies now. So, you know, you're joining different academies, different age groups. And I think if you seriously want to get to the top in sport, there is opportunity there. Um, you can't say there isn't, but you, you have to, um, uh, find a way of how am I going to get there? There's, I think since social media, there's much more access to get your get your child to to play in a professional sport. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, so did did you find the pathway yourself from through from sort of playing junior amateur sport through to elite level? Did you find that a good pathway or? Yeah, look, I think I think anyone any child that wants to play professional sport, they need good just be part of a good club. You know, where they've got access to open fields and they can just train and, and they've got the, the ranks of playing from the third team to the first team. Yeah. Um, try and get involved in the county sort of age group setups. Mm-hmm. And, and all, all of these things are, 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 are available, but I don't know how much the desire is there in, in children these days. I think there's just too much distraction on technology that, you know, it's, yeah. it's you've got to like, sacrifice technology and and really put the time in to i want to become a professional sportsman and and if you you know if you've got good facilities and you're around you know nice play nice area where there's good facilities yeah. for football and cricket then i think you know you've got a chance but you know what if there's a child who really wants to play cricket and football but it's just not in the right area you know it's yeah i think it's very difficult i think i think that's the difficulty i'm seeing at the moment I think the school system has a part to play in that. Obviously, with cricket is is kind of, I guess, dominated by a, a higher or upper class sort of set of people. You could say. I think. Do you think there's more chance in the private school setup compared to the state funded schools? Well, I think even if you look at the rugby, cricket, you know, private school setups have everything. You know, they have they have all sports available. Your child can choose whichever they want to go into, and they can effectively. The private school has everything for them. And then they have a system in place where they're associated with the professional clubs. Yeah. You know, um, you know we got the example of Harrow School, which the two twins, you know, the rugby players, you know, they they were fast tracked, got the scholarships, they were into 
um, you know, Harrow School. And uh, then, then next thing you know, they they um, playing rug, you know, rugby for um, England because they're associated. Like I think uh, Wasps or whatever the team is nearby is associated with the clubs. And I think that's the that's the thing. Maybe what professional sports teams, you know, could do is maybe try and associate them with state state schools or yeah. some grammar schools or schools which are more stronger on sports. Um, it's very difficult because I've seen people who do scouting. They're like, you know, it, it can be very mundane. It can be very sort of just, well, I'm not, you know, I'm going to state school, but there's nothing really there. There's no yeah. talent, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and there's probably one or two which come through. And maybe there should be a system in place among state schools, you know, the best sporting talent, you know, have a, you know, have, have some sort of scouting system in place or, have sort of some some sort of system in place which allows more state children to come through the system. Definitely, I think I, I agree with that a lot. I mean, before this call, I did quite a lot of research into you and to see what you're doing on your social media and, like you said, using your platform a lot for good. But was there ever a time in your career where that sort of rise to fame and the new platform became a distraction? Did you find it difficult to cope with that? Well, if you're playing all the time, you don't have time to do these kind of things. It's when you finish playing, you know, you have all these other things to do. But I think. Um, it's, it's, it's what you want to do as well, you know, where you want to go with what you've achieved. Like for me, I feel like, you know, I need to give back to cricket because cricket's given me, you know, so much um, status and everything. Mm. Um, but after end of all of this, it's, it, it, you've got to be happy and content within yourself. I think that's the most important thing. Um, and it can get dangerous if you kind of like rely on let's say material things or yeah. things that you know for example um you know for your status and all that now that can then um you know that that can disrupt you as a person and and, and and i've seen a lot of sports people do that and i try to stay away from all of that i try to think to myself what makes me happy like i love exercising in the morning you know i love you know doing things watching whatever programs i like watching i love you know um helping people and that doesn't that that doesn't require that's all within me that i love doing it, it doesn't require like me having an external things like oh i want to yeah. you know i need a bentley or i need to mm. be like you know if i'm arriving in a restaurant it, you know, oh, I, need, I need to have the main table and people need to know i'm there all that kind of stuff um, I try to stay away from that because then if I make that happen, if I start feeling good about these kind of things, then I would start relying on that. And once that stops, then you kind of like, you know, you're moving away from yourself. Um, so I'm, I'm big on that and I'm big on sports people to, you know, focus on themselves. Um, things that they can do that help them and not worry about because when you're famous and you have a status it's a there comes a status doesn't it it's like right if i'm if, if i'm going to a nightclub or a bar and there's a massive queue is status you know I, you know yeah. i need to as i walk yeah, past the queue well, i need to get entry <laughs> now if i don't get entry it's like well hang on a minute, I'm, a, I'm a famous guy i'm someone you know everyone recognizes why why isn't the the nightclub door yeah. being open for me because everyone else is just normal people that can play in your mind you know you, you can start believing not believing you start you start wanting these kind of like status things and 
that can actually, you can start feeling good about it. You know, you can feel like, yeah. oh, I feel really good about myself now because I've got a status, but <laughs> it's not really there. It's just, a, it's dependent on people. People give you status. Yeah. Now, Temporary as well, you could argue. Yeah, like, you know, if your happiness is coming from status, then, then that's where, you know, as a sports person, you, it can have an effect on you. And, and I'm big on like, you know, you want to be doing things that make you happy within, you know, if you're going to the gym in the morning and no one's there, but you're training, you know, that's what it's about. And that's why I love the rock. Like Dwayne Johnson, I, I never followed WWF. I never followed anything. <laughs> I love the fact that he gets up half five in the morning and he's in the gym. And this guy is a big Bollywood star. Well, why does he, why does he do that? He doesn't need to do that, but he does it because he wants to better himself and he wants to keep pushing himself. And the thing is, when you keep pushing yourself and bettering yourself, you're in fact helping other people. Yeah. And that's the best way to help people is by helping yourself. So did you have that attitude when you were playing sort of thing? Um, almost like first in, last out? Yeah, and I, think, and I think that's why the fans love me. That's why maybe even now, like I haven't played for a long time, but it still feels like I've, like yesterday I played for England. Like I, I thought people would stop recognising me. I thought no one would know who I am, but actually... It's still the same and it's because of just that i think it's the human the human connection i'm very relatable to people people find it easy to talk to me they find it easy to relate to me and and that was it you know i worked really hard on my skills and it was just like yeah that's that's just like you know he's just one of us a club cricketer playing for england you know and and that was it and that's how you know i got connected but then there was the other side you know where sort of some people will say laugh at me you know oh Monty you're trying hard again and you know um whatever but that was again where you said to me how do you cope with pressure how do you cope with the naysayers how do you cope with the negativity and it all comes back down to what do I love I love my cricket I love playing cricket for England I love training hard so what what ends up happening is the people who are like let's say laughing at you it doesn't get affected you don't you're not affected by it because I love what I'm doing right now, you know? I'm, I'm trying so hard in the field. I'm trying really hard with the bat. I'm really the best I can and I'm loving it. Doesn't matter what everyone else thinks. And that's probably my little tip would be, you know, if you're a sportsman or if anything in life, ask yourself, you know, where, where, does, where, where does inside your heart, you know, the, the love life or your business, the passion. And don't, don't you know, don't let someone's comment move you away from that you know always ask yourself you know why why am i playing this sport why am i in this business why i want to do these things and 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 then that that's a mechanism to get distracted with what people say and and the other way as well people could applaud you and it could move away from you your your actually real you know real love for the game the real passion you could start sort of resting on your laurels yeah. and and start thinking that actually because everyone's applauding me now, I finally arrived um, because no one used to applaud me before. And, and that can be dangerous. And that's why The Rock, I love The Rock because he's my, like, I love that guy so much because he's like amazing. He goes to the Oscars and half five in the morning, he's in the gym. He's like, guys, I need to go to the gym, man. I need to work hard. Like, he just keeps pushing himself. And that is that attitude is what, makes him i think such an attractive person 
to everyone. Like he was like the top hundred influential um, people in the world. That is the reason because he, he doesn't stop. He just keeps pushing himself to the top. Are there any uh, cases that are particularly close to your heart? So we've kind of touched on a bit of like the disparities in sport between state schools and private schools. Is or is there anything else? That you, you... Um, I think I think I'll just like 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 to help. Um, you know, just just help, just help people. You know, I'm 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 always about championing the people. You know, um, I'm about things that are close to people's hearts, things where I can help. Like Marcus Rashford did something amazing. I would love to do something like that. For, for people in, for, for my people in this country, that'll give me huge satisfaction because it was them. When I played cricket for England and I was at Lords, it was 30,000 people. They were all cheering for me. Yeah. Right. And now I'm sitting back and I realize, you know, the fans, the people in this country or even around the world, they were cheering for me. You know, they were applauding me. They were like with me, they were supporting me. And you kind of feel like without you guys, I wouldn't have been anything, you know, without the fans there would have been no Monty Panasar and you put me where I am now and you kind of feel like it's my turn to help the people it's my turn to help society I would you know it's my turn to maybe speak to some government policies some government members and say look this is what we can do this is what I want to help you know with other people around so the fans the parents you know who would who probably thought yeah we applauded him he's like yeah you know he's giving something back to society and that's what it's about, you know, and that's why I really, I, I genuinely feel that, that that's what I want to do, um, you know, in, in, in the next, you know, five to 10 years, um, you know, it's, it's become a media broadcaster, work on TV and, and, and help people in this country. You know, I'd love to do something like what Marcus Rashford did. I'd, I'd, I'd love to do that. So you've spoken a lot about your main goal was to play cricket and, and you almost filtered everything out and you focus on cricket. I mean, when, your career when you stop playing regularly how did you adjust how did you adjust to that I mean that's such a big difference in your in your life yeah it's uh, that, that was it that's when I it was it was I was quite lucky because I, I used to go at North Ants train with North Ants I had injuries and I used to always be in a gradually just be at North Ants and and they were they were even considering they did consider me for one year to play and it didn't work out but then I you know I, I regularly sort of went and trained um, with with Northads, um, but that maybe you know after a few years of doing that, it makes it easier. You know the transition of like right, fine, maybe you know maybe not this year, maybe I'll try again next year. You never know. But gradually you're kind of like you know moving away into other areas. But suddenly when you make that decision of thinking right, I'm retired and I'm going to go into something else, either players or you know have have straight jobs one to another. Right, they're going to media, they're going to coaching or they know they're going to some businesses, that's great. But I think the difficulty is for players who don't have anything in place. So my, my, I would say, you know, five years, if you're 30, if you're 25-year-old or whatever, and you think, you know, we are, I'm a regular player now, but I want to move into the future, do something as well in five years' time. You know, start working, start building on something, you know, then the transition will be easy. You don't want to be in a position where you're just like, well, I don't know what I'm doing next, you know, and, and then that will be very difficult because then suddenly you're, you're, you're a player, but you haven't in your mind um, made peace with that and think, actually, I'm, I'm not a professional cricketer anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm something else or, you know, I'm a, like myself, a media broadcaster. Did you have any struggles of identity afterwards? Obviously, 
I can imagine the whole way through school as a child, you'd have been, you know, Monty, the cricketer, the best one in the school. And then you're obviously an England cricketer and professional all through the years and a fan favourite as, as a cricketer, and as you know, one of the best bowlers in the world. Like, did you have a bit of a, not identity crisis, but did you struggle after playing cricket and think actually like, like who am I now sort of thing? Um, I think there was times when I kind of like forgot about me being an England player. You know, there was times I think actually, oh my God, was I an England player? And actually I was. Um, but I did play club cricket. And the reason I played club cricket is because, again, because I love cricket. And that was a genuine thing for it. So going back to my word, like even there's no one going to be there, I love playing cricket. And then when there's thousands of people there, I still love playing cricket. So then I didn't really have an issue with like the identity bit because yeah. I always knew cricket's, you know, it's my, it's my first love and, and yeah. always will be. And, and uh, yeah, it was just, yeah, just, I think, I think if, I think I've seen certain players who don't play club cricket, they don't want to go back because it's a, you know, there's Too no proud. fans there, doesn't get them up. They're the ones who really struggle because they generally love the game. But when there's 20,000 people in the yeah. stadium, you know what I mean? It needs to be that sort of circumstance. Yeah. For yeah. me, I could go, I played club cricket. I played at Hornchurch. We won the treble. We won like the, the four day stuff, the one day as a 20, 21 every game. Yeah. So I really enjoyed that. And I find it very successful. I, I enjoyed, you know, helping others. I, 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 they enjoyed me being there. But some players are like that, you know, they, they, they just, they don't, they don't have that, they don't, they don't want, they don't, they probably love cricket, but they don't have that much, you know, that desire to think, well, you know, do I really want to go out and play club cricket where there's no one there? It doesn't really get me up, you know, to play. Yeah. And, and that's what works for them. But then they, they do kind of like struggle afterwards to, um, you know, get, get, um, um, what is it, um, to, to part ways, unless they've got ready-made jobs in position. Um, so, so I think, um, you know, if you're a young player, look, look to, you know, develop into something else or once you get to 30, 35, that's a great age, you know, just find out what kind of things you want to go into and then start working towards them. Do you think there should be more support in place for those people transitioning out of professional cricket or professional sport in general into sort of normal work in life? Um, I think the PCA do a good job. I think there's some really good organisations out there that help with that transition. Um, I think sometimes you may need that career advice, you know, well, I don't really know what I want to do. What, what do you think is a good thing to do? That, that's really good as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's not the PCA do a good job. There's a, there's another company laps. I think they have a lot of, you know, um, opportunities, you know, to, uh, transition into different areas. Um, but I think it's, it's about what you want to do really, isn't it? It's like, I think a lot of people want to go into coaching or media like myself and, and sometimes <laughs> it can be quite a hard graft, but you know, you've got to just, just keep at it because um, the wicket could be flat, but got to keep bowling good line and length, mate, because you've got the wicket in the end. <laughs> so is it, is it kind of been difficult for you now to get into sort of media stuff or? You know, since I've Monty channel and I've been open to a lot of media stuff, there's always media interviews. There's always like things, you know, I'm, I'm involved with so yeah like I just keep pushing myself out there you know um, and I think like with anything if you keep pushing yourself then then you know people would want to get involved so that's why you know I have a Monty channel which is a sports political channel 
we talk about politics, also sports, because then, you know, if, if there's not much going on in cricket or sports, then I can talk about the other side of things. So I try and, yeah, you, you got to just uh, keep persevering with these things because, um, you know, it's, it's, it's you know, it reminds me of my cricketing days. You know? I was like, yeah. I want to play cricket for England. And, you know, I want to become, um, you know, like, 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 you know, the Brown Pierce Morgan of media broadcasting. But I've got to keep persevering, you know, I've got to keep, keep going with it because I, I know I will get there. Was it always media broadcasting for you after your playing days or did you never feel like trying to move into the coaching world and pass on a bit of your knowledge and expertise? Yeah, like coaching, I didn't mind. Um, I think I find media broadcasting more natural. Okay. You know, and I, and, I, and, I, and I don't mind doing the reading and the research and then talking about topics, giving opinions. Coaching, um, if I want to do it, I like to sort of, yeah, see, explore that idea as well. Um, I think out of both, out of, both of them, I, I kind of more went, I went. I went more towards media broadcasting. Yeah, definitely. So Michael Carberry came out earlier in the year, and he said that um, cricket is rife with racism, and that the people running the game don't care about black people at all. Uh, I mean, do you agree with this? Well, I think I think black people face a lot of racism compared to brown people. I'm not going to lie about that. Um, you know, I've read different cases where I've read like people go to the shop. And they, they say to their mate, oh, mate, I can't put this in my bag because the security guard is going to think I put something in there. Or when they go to the shop, they always take the receipt. Now, on me being a brown person, I don't even worry about taking a receipt. You know, they have a nice car parked outside. I don't get stopped by the cops. Um, but a black person does. Like if I'm, I remember sitting with some of my black friends and I'm like, well, why do I feel like, Cop, why, why am I seeing more coppers? Why am I seeing more police cars? And I'm in a sporty, nice car. Like, and imagine that every day. You know, you 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 have that sort of problem. You know, that that's going to create tension. And like, I would say, not even in sport. I would say in society, um, people um, people have. Um, I would say, I think black people face a lot of racism. You know, and and even much more than brown people. Um, I I I really yeah I really think people should you know it's difficult, isn't it? It's like I think I think with the Black Lives Matter, I think it's raising issues in the black community. I think it's raising issues amongst what white people need to do because I think they're the ones who who are in, in position of power, and I think it needs to be a collaborative process where both come together where um, you help black people and not at the top level, not like, oh, you know, TV people, presenters. That's a great start. I think that's a brilliant start because they are recognizing because visually, if you're seeing it, then you're going to start seeing the change. Like Raheem Sterling said, because when I look at the, you know, look at the boardroom, uh, when I score a goal, I don't see any of my faces, you know, it's, it's just white people. Mm. And, you know, it needs to change. We need to have that change. And and end of the day, whoever's in power, they've got to help the process and make the changes. You know, we can shout, you can say these kind of things, you can say, well, this happened, that happened. But until the big changes don't take place or the smaller changes or some diversity programs, um, where there's a genuine thing, like, you know, it's like, you know, the white CEO or the white board member saying, you know what, no. I want a change. I want diverse people in our organization. I want this kind of stuff. Then it's going to happen, you know, yeah. um, because they're in power. 
And during the Black Power, like during like the you know, the Black Lives Matter movement, there are a lot of things that for myself that sort of were raised, you know, myself as a black person that were raised that I thought actually, yeah, that has affected me. I didn't even realise or notice it before in my life because it's just sort of how things were in society. And, and then you sort of step back and realize actually that's not right or that's not okay. You kind of have that yourself when everything was going on in the protest this summer. I, I, I think, I think the new norm, like the COVID new norm is going to be about being having that awareness. It's like me, I didn't know enough about black people. I thought, oh, you know, they have nice cars. They wear always like designer clothes. They, it seems like they always got money. Like, you know, the picture of Mayweather, 50 Cent, rappers, you've got to just think, that's how black people are, man. They just love, they live extravagant lives, they have lots of money. But you don't think about it, because what you see visually on TV, you just think, yeah, that's how people are, man. That's, that's you know, black people, man, happy, happy, joyful people, love loving life, you know. If they've got money, they love showing it off, you know, that kind of stuff. And But then, when you thought, oh yeah, actually, there was slavery 200 years ago, or sweet love sweet chariot song or there's actually loads of black footballers in the premiership but not enough black managers like wow mm. i didn't realize that there's no black board member in the ecb or ceo or a coach and then you're like i didn't notice any of these things yeah when when that unfortunate incident happened with george floyd that opened up everyone's eyes yeah. you know and and it was very sad to see these kind of things but they, the thing is that diversity has to take place because then if it doesn't take place, then you're going to just then find that people between 18 to 25, 18 to 35, yeah, everyone will be on a same playing field. But then 45 to 65, it'll probably be like the white person taking yeah. all the senior management position jobs. Mm-hmm. And what happens to that black person? Oh, he's just moved down to the, you know, um, doing just a normal job nine to five or whatever, whatever. And then that will create tension. And then, you know, you know, there needs to be that fair rep- representation where you say, right, no, we're going to do these kind of things. And then there's hope. And there's hope for every society that actually, you know what, once I finish playing or once I finish my, you know, uh, once I get to this level of my business, I can get to the boardroom. I can become a CEO. And they normally say that in diverse organizations, people from all communities become better rounded people. They, 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 the productivity is better. They move away from one size fits all kind of mold. And they, you know, end of the day, if a business is making more profit with a diverse organization, it's good for everyone. Everyone's yeah. making money, yeah, everyone's got absolutely. jobs. And I think that's what it's about, you know, it's about helping everyone. Like if I was a prime minister right now, I would want the normal person to make sure that he's got a job as well. You know, my, my, it'll be all about getting people having jobs. So then financial, finance is the biggest issue for everyone. And if everyone's got money coming in their pocket, it doesn't matter what color you are. No one cares then, trust me. If you've got your money, if you've got a month to month paycheck coming into your bank account and you can pay your bills and you can do all of that kind of stuff, no one, there's no one, money, when it comes to money, there is no racism, there is no discrimination, there is no black lives matter, all lives matter. It's about everyone equality. And I think that's what it's about, you know. It's, the issue is, is about money and have equal, let everyone have equal access to that or equal opportunity to earn money and, and to get to the levels they want to get to. 
So you mentioned um, the ECB board members, Edge. So do you think the, the English game, um, do you think cricket's got a long, long way to go <laughs> in its kind of... No, but the question region? is, what benefit would it have if there was a, let's say if I were a brown board member or a black board member coming into the thing, what, what, how would they benefit? How could they help? These are the sort of answers you need to know. Um, and the person coming in will need to know these answers as well. Right, this is how I can help. This is what I can do. So then it's, it's a bit more objective. It's not just, oh, it's sticking a box, mm. you know, oh, because everyone's saying hashtag Black Lives Matter. All right, let's just, you know, get a black person in there or, you know, we need that. You know, the, everyone on merit, but also understand their role, you know. They, 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 they are as good as or as intelligent or as, you know, productive in a senior management position like a white person. And in fact, the white person will think, actually, you know what, I wouldn't mind having a diverse because it makes me better. And, and that's what it's about. You know, it's about embracing diversity. It's not seeing it as uh, something we have to do because we have to do it. It's like we want to do it because diversity is a good thing for our organization, you know? Mm. Um, so moving on political question actually i mean i saw you tweeted yesterday or earlier today about the presidential debate between trump and biden and i'd just like to get your comments on that i thought personally myself it was embarrassing i think i i think biden you know i remember um, um, obama Barack obama when he did his first one and it wasn't that great he was quite controlling and, and just within himself and i think biden really needs He's got the feel of it now and he needs to step it up a bit. He needs to challenge Trump a bit more, be a bit more forceful. Um, the public needs to think that, you know what, like, you know, like with Keir Starmer now. If now, tomorrow was the election, I'll think, I, I, may, I may even just vote for Keir Starmer. You know, like that. That's how Biden needs to come across. Like, yeah, everyone's saying, oh, we want Biden to win. But when you, when you like, it's like, Sometimes when you listen to him on the radio, he sounds like, yeah, actually, I vote for Biden. But when I'm seeing him on TV, and I'm like, actually, I'll go for Trump. Do you know what I mean? The it's, it's, it's just come out different. The visual representation is different. So I think if Biden really wants to win it, he, he needs to like, um, he needs to find a way of actually saying, right, um, I, need to, I need to come across better on TV. So then, um, you know, people will vote, vote for me. Or else people won't vote for him. And I, th I think Trump, Trump will win it. He, he'll find a way because he'll just create some sort of controversy. He'll create some sort of, like this, you know, proud boys or whatever that hashtag is, you know. He, mm. He's just creating drama. That's all he's doing. And he'll create drama. He'll, create, he'll do whatever it takes to get the people to shift towards him. If Biden is timid, we need to take him on. Because if he doesn't, then I think Trump, Trump's going to start slowly. People are going to start thinking, hang on a minute. We all don't want Trump to win it. That's what we want Biden. But Biden doesn't just fit the bill. So he really needs to up his game where you genuinely think, yeah, I would vote for Biden. Do you think the personality is more important than the policies then? Well, I think personality is important. I think it's a convincing. It's a reassurance. Like, of all the things Donald Trump would do, he, he would be, he will create jobs. And that's how he gets his power. <laughs> he knows he's he's kept the like black uh, unemployment the lowest it's ever been, right? So 
that normal person, doesn't matter, the working class person, will think, I want to go for Trump because I just need, I just need, um, I just need, um, you know, I just need a job and I need to be working, you know? And that's how he wins it. That's how Trump wins, wins all these people because he just keeps on um, helping the working class people, keeps doing job creation, keeps on getting people employed. And then end of the day, doesn't matter what color you are. I just want a job, mate. And I just want, I just want a monthly salary and that's it. You know, that's the most important thing, financial strain. And Trump is very good at doing that. And whatever he does, you know, all these other controversies, he, this is his always his get out clause. And that's why, you know, he, he will, people just end up voting for him unless Biden, you know, has some sort of great policies in place that could help people with job creation. You know, that's where the vote is going to be won or lost on job creation. Yeah. And I think, I think looking at it cynically, it is all about, especially in America, it is all about personalities. No one really gives, gives a crap about what either are offering that much. <laughs> if they can condense a kind of, say, like you said, job creation, two words, policy into two words, that'll win the middle election. I mean, it happened the same in the UK last year. Arguably, massive factor in Boris Johnson's landslide was everyone hated Jeremy Corbyn, or they were scared of it. Look, end of the day, right, regardless of all the policies or whatever that I said, it all comes down to when people want to um, um, vote for you, they are going to think, if I vote for this guy, will I be able to pay my monthly mortgage? And that's it. You know, the normal person will be thinking, can I pay my bills? End of the month. Is there a nice industry? Is there a nice job creation happening in my area? Well, thank you very much for coming on. Um, I won't keep you any longer. But yeah, it's very, very good to chat. Actually, really interesting uh, to both of you. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Cheers, guys.